Hello, one day is Thursday, February 29th, 2024. This is the week Yeah, charts. Obviously, I want to thank all you guys and girls for attending. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. So what are we talk about? Well, obviously, current market conditions, I'll have a lot to say about that, as I normally do. Your questions on trading, your favorite stock, and crypto picks. And I'm going to continue my series on things that I wish somebody would have told me. And I believe we're up to part eight on this. Quite a few things that I wish somebody would tell me when I was just getting started in trading. In fact, a lot of what I do with my trading service and with the random thoughts, although I haven't done one in a while, but I have been writing personally. And when I'm doing that writing, I have, I'm talking to, talking to myself, obviously, and I'm talking to the trader 20 something years ago who was still a little confused about a lot of things. And, and that is also a lot of people that are, are newer to trading, obviously, too. And and those are things, in talking to myself, it's like things I wish I would have known way back then. And uh, we do have a mystery chart this week, and also I want to show the methodology in action. Here's all my contact information if you need to reach me. There's a disclaimer screen, as you know, you can lose money trading wars off the summing up, all predictions are about the future, and a lot of stuff can happen between now and then that's from my buddy greg morris all right let's talk about the mystery charts and the methodology and action so this was a stock recommended a while back in fact all the way way back last july believe it or not and it's a bit of a bummer you'll see in just one second in the portfolio this is the only thing we have left and that's a bit of a bummer to have gotten knocked out and then have the market take off and Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get like a rolling correction through sector. Sometimes you just get into some stocks and get knocked out, and then everything else takes off without you. It comes as a territory. The only thing you could sort of take solace in, if that's the right word, is that eventually you will catch quite a few winners, and sometimes maybe one or two is all you need, as I preach. Anyway, the entry was here. The stop was down here. Initial profit target was up there. And this is the trailing stop. Now, the the money management, and I know everybody here knows how it works, but I just want to give you a thumbnail sketch real quick because when we get to the the presentation part about the things I wish I knew, I'm going to mention money management quite a bit. But you want to have an entry that's far enough away so you don't get triggered on just a little bit of noise alone. Your stop needs to be far enough away so you don't get stopped out on the noise based on the shorter term volatility of the stock. And a lot of times you could just eyeball that the other thing your stop needs to be where you would obviously be wrong so this is the first ipo pullback it came public bottoms out goes straight up and then pulls back so if this thing triggers and then pulls all the way back to this level here there's a good chance that this stock could be failing and you need to get out of the way so that's setting the stop once you figure out your entry and your stop then the ipt is simply the entry minus the stop plus the entry I have a spreadsheet. If you put in your entry and your stop, it'll calculate all these things for you, including share size. And if you go to davelander.com slash resources, and I'll put these links down below in the comments, and you can get that for free. I think I moved it outside of the firewall. In fact, I'm 99% sure that's outside the firewall. And if it's not, let me know, and I'll make sure you can get, get a copy of that. But anyway, the... Once you hit the initial profit target, your stop is brought to break even. Now, you will trail it a little bit before that. And I realize I'm going kind of quickly through this, but I just want to kind of, again, give a thumbnail sketch. 
of the money management, but you want to get that to break even as soon as possible. And that's that happens intraday when the initial profit target is hit. So if you're looking for five points, you're up five points, you make sure that stop is at break even. And therefore, barring overnight gaps, the worst you can do is break even the rest of, rest of the trade. And overall, you still make money on the trade. Now, this was one of my dead money examples a while back. Notice that for one, two, nearly three months, it pretty much just went sideways. And it's very hard to sit in something that just goes up and down and up and down and mostly sideways for that period of time. But that's what the methodology calls for. And you just ride it out. You bide your time. And sometimes stocks get a little ahead of themselves and need some time to consolidate. It didn't do anything wrong. It just went sideways. And as long as you're not stopped out, stick with your positions. I used to get cute and try to get in and out and do all kind of fancy stuff. And it seems like I'd get out because it was dead money. And the next day it would jump 10 points or whatever. So I learned my lesson pretty quickly on that. As I've said quite uh, quite often before, I think it was it was probably like whenever I started the trading service, and I don't remember. And this, the trading service was kind of all by accident. It's kind of a, a long story, but um, there was someone who was doing it. Well, I'm not going to get into it, <laughs> but it was by complete accident that I got into the retail side and ended up doing a trading service. But it was, it's been a wonderful thing for me in that it forces me to do a lot of homework. And as I've said before, if I were not doing this service at the end of the day, if I had a crappy day, I just want to go home. And But now it's like I'm forced to sit here a couple hours and, and do all this work and, and do a lot of work in between. Anyway, long story endless, getting back to the money management, what you do is you let the stop widen out over time. And as I was just saying about the dead money early in the service, I now realize where I was going with that. We did have, uh, I remember early on, we had a buyout. We had more than one buyout, but we had a buyout in particular in a stock that just triggered and died. It went sideways for a complete month. And I got a lot of emails from people like, Dave, this is dead money. I'm out, you know, see you, whatever. Okay, it's fine. I'm just going to follow the system. And then the stock I bought out. So there's been a few of those cases over the years, some sort of big news announcement or something happened. And it happened once on the short side, too. We had one we were short, just kind of died out, went sideways, rallied a little bit even. And then some news hit the fan and the thing halved overnight. But anyway, the point I wanted to make about the money management before I forget is we do let this stop gradually loosen over time. So we're trying to ride out a short-term trend, okay, the short-term volatility, and make sure that stop is outside of the normal noise. And then we slowly transition to the longer-term trend. If you were just to jump into this stock and try to capture a longer-term trend like this, you would have to have an amazingly wide stop. It'd have to be where it is now, okay? And to keep the money management right, you'd only put on a very small position. But if you are fortunate enough to catch a big winner like this and then let that stop gradually open up over time, you can adjust the long-term volatility. Also, as the price increases, the point basis that it moves is going to increase too. And as I often preach, a lot of times the stop gets loosened, so to speak, by doing nothing. Say you have a small move of 20 or 30 cents in a, in a big stock like this, a higher price stock. You just leave the stop where it is and it, it opens up by that amount. Now, another thing I do, I call it keep the change. Another thing I do is I 
in loosening the stop again to keep the change but i'll also let's say i'm fortunate enough to have like a three-point move in one day i may only bump my stop two points and then that has allowed the stop to open up one additional point now eventually by the way when it gets when you're this long in a trade at some point you kind of go back to one to one and do a lot of keep the change uh like today i don't think i think it did like um I think it was an extra point and a half in our favor and or point, point, 1.7 in our favor or something. I moved the stop about 1.6. So I still let it loosen up a little bit, but you get a little closer to that one to one when it starts getting a long ways away. Now, a lot of times if a stop will come in below a base like it is now, that's a good place for a stop to be. And if the stop keeps moving higher, then obviously you bump your stop higher. And if you get lucky, like we just did, the stop gets like below a bigger picture base. And in fact, we've been fortunate in this one because the stop was below the base and then it was below the base. And then hopefully, I just said hope, but hopefully it'll be below the bases from now on. Okay, let's take a look at the parameters and the open portfolio. You can see Initially, we got in at 45.20 and 51.90 was the IPT, 6.7% profit. The initial risk on this trade was 15%. There's a popular methodology out there that says you should never lose more than 8% of the stop, stock before exiting. You should, ex you should exit after you lose 8% max. Well, that's like saying we should all wear a medium-sized shirt. And that's something my fat ass hasn't done since I was six years old. <laughs> But anyway, you have to adjust the stop for the parameters. Now, I think this one here, the percent stop is going to be much bigger than 15%. This is what this would call for. And then in some cases, you'll have a much bigger percent stop. Now, I've often talked about this. A lot of people will email me, Dave, I can't trade with a 30% stop. Well, if the stock is bouncing around, 15% a day and 20 or 30% over a week, and it still has structure, it's still a good looking stock, then that's where the stop goes. You just adjust your share size down. I think I did a piece called Better the Devil You Know. You can find it on my website where I show you how less volatile stocks with percentage risk of your account, 2% risk of your account, could actually be more dangerous than more volatile stocks. And that's why I titled it Better the Devil You Know. All right, here's our mystery chart for the week. And we'll come back to this one in one second, but here's the parameters. 1850 is the entry to stop is at 14 and the IPT is 23. So this is what that looks like in the chart. Notice that we had lots and lots and lots of Landry light. That's simply the lows are greater than the moving average. You look to enter after it pulls back to the moving average. That's a Landry light pullback. Very super simple setup. We're going to revisit this in just one second when we start talking about simplicity and trading. Entry is here, stop is down here, and the IPT is off the charts, so to speak, at least for now. So no trigger, no trade if it doesn't trigger. But if it triggers, then you stop yourself out if it comes back down to this level here, because that looks like a good place where you'd be wrong, okay? And then this minus this, entry minus the stop, gives you that IPT, initial profit target. Okay. Hey, you like this video? Then uh, give me a like and subscribe. Uh, one thing I've been noticing a lot of lately, and 
maybe because I clicked on it a little bit to just see what they're up to. But it seems like the scumbags have returned to YouTube. I don't want to, I don't point anybody out in particular, but all these people out there that are just exaggerating how easy trading is and all you need is 10 minutes a day and you're going to make 500% a year. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, believe me, I struggle a lot my, with my trading and that's why I work so hard on the trading psychology. And it's, it's, there's nobody has any type of secret like that. And I was looking at one of them and they were showing all these fantastic results. Well, they did, to my surprise, they did actually show a month where they, where they were down 30%. That's a pretty steep drawdown for one month. That's, you're getting close. Anytime you get over 30%, you're getting close to uh, being wiped out. I consider about 50% wiped out. Anyway, the point is that if you like and subscribe, then YouTube will uh, will recommend my video out to others. And I try to keep it real. <laughs> you know, you, you're not gonna get rich overnight, but you can do well over time and you will get your ass handed to you on occasion. All right, before I get sidetracked too much, too far, <laughs> too late, right? Years ago, I like I said earlier, I really wish somebody would have told me all the things that I that I know now. And a few months back, I woke up and this was in my head, so I wrote it all down. Things that you that I wish I knew years and years ago. And we've been chipping away way at these for the last couple of months. And then also every week I tend to add more and more. And one thing I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks. And, and I think this is a, a big problem with people who are newer to trading is you think you need to know everything. You think you need to know fundamentals. And I I think I did a, I made a good case of why you don't need fundamentals a few weeks back or should never, I guess never is a big word, but you shouldn't use fundamentals in your trading. You should only focus on tacticals. And some people say, well, I'll use fundamentals and tacticals but I only take the trade if the technicals are there. It's like, well, why not just only take the trade if the technicals are there? It's kind of like somebody was using this arcane counting method and he had a trend filter on the bottom and he would only take waves that went in the direction of the trend filter. It's like, well, why not just use the trend filter? So when you boil it all down, like we talked about last week or week before, all you have to do to make money trading, I know you just said it done, is, is capture a trend. And the only way to make money trading is the capture a trend. But I think part of the problem is you end up with this analysis paralysis and you plot so many indicators on the chart, you can no longer see the chart. And the bottom line is what you really need to know, especially if you're just getting started. And I did kind of let these things widen out because you will obviously learn things through experience over time. But when you're just starting out, you only need a few things to become successful and then you could build on those things from there and you really only need one setup and linda Rasky said all you need is one pattern to be successful and linda's right and people's like well what's the one setup it's like okay land your life pullbacks that's probably the only one that you need at least when you're just getting started and here's something that just absolutely amazes me if you go back in and look at those archives davelearner.com archives and you're going to see some some ugliness in there. Believe me, you'll see some ugliness that happened recently. We got stopped out of two or three in a row, and it, and it sucks, okay? It, it, but it happens, or I guess I've probably already demonetized. Shit happens, right? But on the big winners, what's amazing is how simple 
the patterns were. You're going to see Landry Light pullbacks, bow ties, TKOs, and, and all these patterns are going to be very textbook in nature. Now, I'm not just saying you rush out and trade the one pattern right away. Make sure you do your due diligence, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. And the other thing I would recommend you do is stay in your lane. And also, here's something I was thinking about right as I'm going live. Throughout the years, people will come to me and they'll start to try to figure out my methodology and I'll help them. And I keep, I'll rein them in. They'll go over here, you know, instead of staying in the lane. And I'm like, no, nope, come back here. Just look at this one setup. Just look at this money management. Just do this. And then they're off over there. And what I was thinking about again right before I was going live is, not only do they go off to chase rainbows and every now and then they hit and miss or something, but what they don't realize is they're they're increasing the, their learning curve by a factor of 10 by trying to learn all these other things and do all these other things. Figure out one thing first, get good at it, do that one thing, and then move on. And the problem that I see quite often is they don't even figure out how to use one pattern of mine not that I'm the grand poobah, but they did come to me for help, right? So they don't figure out how to use that one pattern and only that one pattern before moving on to all these other things. And I don't know why I could say all these things until I'm blue in my face to stay in your lane and just do this stuff, this simple stuff here. But people, they all have to go out and chase the grail. And I know I did it too early on, but nobody told me early on that, hey, Dave, you don't have to do all these things. And that's why... I love doing a presentation on what I wish I knew. It's a good reminder for me when I try to outsmart the market. But it's because when you are first starting out, you're just so confused about so many different things to do. I saw Linda Rasky in a presentation a while back, and she said, your first three years, you don't really know what's going on because you're trying to figure everything out. Well, you don't have to spend three years trying to figure everything out. Spend three years trying to figure out a narrow path as a friend of mine pointed out when I was telling him about this presentation earlier, he's like, yeah, it's more of a narrow path. And it's like, exactly. Now, I've talked about the knowledge gap quite a bit in prior presentations. And if you go back and look at them, I did a bunch where I referenced a lot of material from Douglas, Douglas, uh, Mark Douglas. So a lot of this does come from Mark Douglas. and I think this comes straight from Douglas. A knowledge gap leads you to believe that if you only knew more, you would you would if you only knew more, you would not have losses. Not so the not should be in here. <laughs> and so you have a loss in a trade, and you, you tend to think like, well, if I knew more about trading, I wouldn't have had that loss. And that's not necessarily true. But a, a knowledge gap will lead you to believe that something is missing in that. Now a knowledge gap can also sort of leave you feeling helpless, which can lead to negative questions like, why do I suck at this? And if you if you want answers, ask questions, but make sure you're answering the questions or asking questions in a positive way, like, how do I get better at this, okay? And, and yeah, of course, play devil's advocate with everything, but then make sure you've got the right phraseology that's gonna lead you to a positive solution. Otherwise, you could really end up in a downward negative spiral, both mentally and monetarily. Now, if you're not careful trying to seek something that doesn't exist, 
you could end up on a grail hunt, okay? There's going to be losing trades, even on good trades. I, the, the ones we got stopped out of recently, it was frustrating, and I thought they were fantastic setups. Well, they didn't work. It happens, you know, spelled a silent SH. <laughs> and then every now and then you catch a nice winner, and it pays for it all. But you could end up on this never-ending grail hunt, and that's like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that doesn't exist. Trade one pattern, get good at that one pattern, and then move on. If you're not successful with one pattern, with one setup, you're not going to be successful with 100. Now, with your trades, and provided you've been trading for a little while, and you have a narrow focus, that narrow path, you're taking that narrow path, and you have losses, which are inevitable, then make sure you're doing an honest post-mortem on the trade. Was it really an F, yeah, type of setup, okay? It's amazing, and, and this is not hindsight. I call it hindsight and foresight, but sometimes you do it post-mortem and you're like, what the hell was I thinking? That's good though, because you're getting better when you start thinking that, right? But you'll say, what the hell was I thinking? This thing was choppy, it wasn't trending. Look at that big fat gap in the middle of the trade. It always amazes me. I tell people, make sure it's trending, ideally persisting in its trend, ideally accelerating in its trend, make sure it trades cleanly, et cetera, et cetera. And then the next day I get a setup that's just all over the place. So there's a big fat gap right in the middle of the setup. And they're like, oh, I like this one. I'm like, well, did you not listen to me about the gaps? You know, and and there's been a few people that come week after week to the webinars that in spite of all my preaching, they just don't want to see it. And I don't understand why that is. I guess you just can't reach everybody. But you should really look at a setup and feel like an F yeah type of feeling. Feel like you should feel like you'd be stupid not to take the trade. Now, if it is an F yeah setup and it fails, then shout next and you know feel free to drop an F bomb first. Believe me, I get pretty pissed off. I was telling somebody when I first moved in before we had fences between the house and the house was just freshly built. I insulated the office myself and I, I i guess i didn't do the right research uh because i didn't do a good job of insulating it and i remember early on i didn't put windows on this side because i didn't want to look out the window at a neighbor uh the old place that had six acres was nice to look out at the pond and stuff but over here i didn't want to look at a neighbor so i didn't we didn't put windows on this side of the house and one day i was pissed and i dropped an f-bomb and then there was a little echo outside the house from a kid hopefully not too young of a kid, he says, I said, ah, and then it came right back to me, ah, so I was like, okay, I guess you're not, <laughs> you're not in the country anymore, Dave, so yeah, you do get upset, Every, you know, we're all human, so don't let that drag you down, now, as I kind of alluded to earlier, do all the other things I preach, and take that one setup, and find a hundred, hundred examples, some good, some bad, and some kind of mediocre, and then figure out which ones tend to do better. And, and yeah, a perfect setup, a textbook setup, as I often call them, will sometimes fail miserably. And that's just, you just chalk that up to it happens, right? But the bottom line is, if you do find 100 setups going through charts, go back years, many years, uh, go back 10 years, go back 15 years, go back as long as you want, and look for those setups and see which ones works and see which ones didn't play devil's advocate try to find some that fail miserably okay but the bottom line is as one client told me a while back the counterfeit currency 
detectives, they don't look at a bunch of monopoly money. They don't look at something like a, a Zimbabwe note and say, hey, this is uh this is not this is not really a hundred trillion US dollars. This is some Zimbabwe note or something. They actually look at a real hundred dollar bill, study the material, study the threads, study the markings. There's all kind of little things they study, and they study it so carefully that a fake stands out like a sore thumb. So you should focus on that, focus on what really, really worked, okay? And then over time, you'll have a common denominator. Yeah, some crappy setups will take off and you just have to say, okay, that's a crappy setup. It took off without me, I don't care. It didn't fit the bill, it, didn't, it wasn't what I normally look for. But if you look at enough of these, you will know which the best ones are. And I can give you a few clues. Again, accelerating, persisting, trades cleanly, pulls back deep, but not too deep. Usually the 30 EMA is a good place for that. Sometimes if it's really trending, it won't pull all the way back. Then you're using a different type of pattern, just like a generic pullback or a TKO or something like that. Anyway, you want to figure out which ones tend to work better. And usually all those little things I talked about, looks like I have a misspelling in here. Uh, but do your homework for sure. And one thing I can't preach enough about, and I promise not to go on and on about it tonight, but do your morning pages and just wake up and write three handwritten pages. Doesn't matter what it's about. Sometimes a dog farts, it's like, oh geez, did it smell that bad when he ate it? You know, she ate it. <laughs> of course my dog eats poo, so I guess that's a bad, bad analogy. But anyway, you definitely wanna do those morning pages. You're gonna learn a lot about yourself. You're gonna learn a lot about trading from doing that. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do I tell everybody, I'm, as I've often said, meet on the streets, friends, family, relatives to do the morning pages and nobody does them. And the reason is it's hard, okay? Because they're worried about grammar or being eloquent or the time, you know, just, just do it and forget about it. And don't preload with anything. Try to stay digital as much as you can. I'm listening to a book. I haven't listened to it lately because I've been doing some other things, which I, I may talk about later, later in presentations if it works. But I have recently started listening to a book by Quick and it's called Limitless. And one thing I don't like about the book is he keeps telling you what he's gonna tell you instead of just telling you that, that kind of makes me crazy. I, I get why you have to do that. But whenever I write, I try not to do that or when I'm doing presentations, I try not to do that. But anyway, a few things that he talked about is, is, is the switching between things is and that's something that I'm really guilty of, and I do have ADD, and I probably um, it's undiagnosed except from by, by my wife, <laughs> but that really can can burn you out. And he did talk about uh, writing in his book too, and how that's important for your brain. A lot of things he talked about, I'm already doing. A lot of things he talks about, I'm not doing, or I'm guilty of doing, and I'm working on that. And I'll, if it works for me, I'll, I'll be more than happy to share some of these things with you. But do those morning pages, I swear it'll change your life. Just little things like, I said I wouldn't go on and on, but here I go. Just little things like you're worried about something, just write it down. And then what amazes me is six weeks from now, you'll look at that and you'll be like, oh, pff, that turned out to be nothing. Or it's like, yeah, that came true, that happened, but you know what, I dealt with it. It's like, it, it builds character. So I would recommend you do that. When you document your trades, I have a digital notebook which I absolutely love. And I think um, I have an affiliate link, but they would only give you as much as you um, 
paid for the, paid into the company or whatever. So I just figured it wasn't worth 300 bucks or whatever it was. But this thing is wonderful. And I just started recently using tags. Again, I kind of forgot about using tags, but I put a tag today. I did something kind of stupid in my trading and I put a shame tag and go in and look at those shame tags. And uh, if you're brave enough, start a little notebook with shame on the cover. And if you do something stupid, write that down. But when you're documenting in your trading journal, and in your morning pages too, of course, but in your trading journal specifically, don't just write, hey, I bought this stock XYZ at this price or whatever. Write why you bought it and write how you're feeling and write what's going on. And then, as I've said a thousand times before, I couldn't figure out why I was making these crappy these crappy trades right after lunch. But after lunch, everything looked so great. I'd always come in here and make some trades and lose money. And so I started writing down WITO, walk in the office to figure out what the problem was. I later figured it out, figured out that I was sugar low before leaving my office. And then I'd go to the house, get a snack or get lunch or breakfast or whatever. Then come back in and I was feeling kind of fat and happy and everything looked beautiful. So it's little things like that through careful documentation. And then I later read or reread about the hangry judge effect. Judges who, and I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse a lot of this, my apologies for those of you who know me, but the, for those of you who don't, the hangry judge effect was Israeli judges were giving four more harsh sentences in the late mornings than they were in the early afternoons. And then they finally realized that the judges would go out and have lunch or whatever they did, but they'd have some, something to eat in between the sessions. And then they come back feeling better, like, ah, oh, you know, you just murdered two guys. Hey, well, you know. Five years, that's good enough. Anyway, so that's where that came from. That's one of many things I've unearthed through all this documentation. So make sure you're talking about your emotions, your feelings, and you know any other extraneous influences. Now, it's kind of hard in the middle of the day in your trading journals to write about a lot of your extraneous influences, but your morning pages are going to unearth that. It's like uh, my wife had an injury a few weeks back, and it kind of changed the whole dynamics of everything. I always help around the house. Thought it was a lot of help, but when I had to do everything, it's like, holy moly, there's a lot going on. So I've got all that going on, worried about taking care of her, and then in here and then trying to make money and thinking like, oh, I need to make more money to pay for these things and pay for the ER bills and all this other stuff. She's fine, by the way, she's fine. But a lot of these things weigh on you. And, and as I said before, a friend of mine, we were talking in person and he said that he had a really bad week and he couldn't figure out why he had such a bad week. And then Friday night after the market closed, I, I'm guessing he had a beer or two or whatever, and he starts relaxing. He says, oh, shit, I know what it was. On Monday, he had to pay like a $40,000 tuition payment. So all week long, in the back of his head, he was probably trying to replace that money. And the market that the market could give two shits about your your needs or desires or longings or whatever. It's if it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. You have to let the market come to you. Seek simplicity over complexity. I and again, I know I'm kind of this classic Dave Landry, but this was a trading full circle. I talked about this. Years ago, I was in John Bollinger's Professional Traders Forum, and he asked me to join. And of course, I, I was I was honored. And uh, it, it sort of became, you know, all these forums tend to turn into a bit of Lord of the Flies after a while. And 
and you would think a bunch of professionals would be better behaved, but they weren't. <laughs> so, and knock on wood, come in. The uh, I need some new jokes. My forum, my uh, forum and Facebook hasn't turned into that. Every now and then, I have to kind of steer everybody a little bit, but for the most part, it's been really good. It's been a really great thing. As my wife said, that's the best thing I've ever done, as far as mentally and all. Just interact with you guys and and uh I, I do a lot of lurking too i like to see what's going on but anyway long story endless and for and john bollinger's forum he had a tagline he would sign off when he post something with if you advance far enough you arrive at the beginning and i just really like that because that's kind of like where we all we all go on this you know we do this like i just said and then all of a sudden you come back to something really simple and that's when you began to make it. And then that's why I made that thing slowly open up because you will gain some new tools and tricks and tips over the years. Just don't try to do everything at once. Anyway, so I asked John where he got the quote from and he said he was watching a documentary on Albert Eiler. And I tried listening to Albert Eiler. It's like a um it's like a cat scratching his ass on sandpaper, but <laughs> I digress. Maybe I'm somebody's gonna get angry with me for that. But he said in the documentary, they said that Albert Eiler advanced so far he came back in at the beginning. And and that's kind of where we are as traders. After we get through with all that grail hunting, we come in and do some really simple stuff like land your life pullbacks following the big blue arrow and things like that. And John said probably the original genesis of this was something from T.S. Eliot, we shall not cease from exploring and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. So a little, a little philosophy on that. And that's one reason why I named the course Trading Full Circle. It's like you go through all this complexity and then come back to the basics and then become profitable or become profitable again. Curtis Faith, he's quite a character. <laughs> Hopefully his sentencing was after lunch and not before lunch, but I digress. He seems like quite a character though. Uh, he's written two great books. I'd recommend you read them, Trading from the Guts, and I think it's The Way of the Turtles, which I swore I would never read those turtle books, but uh, without going into details why. His book is pretty good. It was recommended to me by Larry McMillan because I said, I'm not reading those turtle books. He goes, oh, you know, the one by Curtis Faith is pretty good. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Anyway, it takes a lot of time and study before one realizes just how simple trading is, but it takes many years of failure before most traders come to grips with how hard it could be to keep things simple and not lose sight of the basics. Again, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but when I go back and look at those really, really, really big trades, the biggest winners, they come from the simplest patterns. And as I've said 10,000 times before, I've sat through a lot of these presentations with the AAPTA where somebody will get up and show a trading system with 100 buy and sell signals and there's a moving average in there. And if you'd have just bought when there was Landry Light and sold when there was no longer Landry Light, you'd make one trade instead of 100 trades and you would have made a lot more money especially when you factor in 
slippage. And back then there was commissions, but the commissions aren't as negligible now. But believe me, you're you're still paying a VIG. The more you trade, the more VIG, so to speak, you're trading. Anyway, before I digress into that, Rolf, and I forget his last name, um, he wrote a book called Seeing Things Clearly. I should have put that in here. My apologies to Mr. Rolf. And um, in the book, he said, simplicity is the zenith of a long, arduous journey, not the starting point. That sounds like getting stuck in that holy grail and that little maze of the holy grail. I often talk about holy grail hunting. Okay. And then finally, you're like, you know, screw all this stuff. Is it going up? Is it going down? Is it going sideways? Now, with that said, this is a Landry Light pullback. Getting back to the mystery chart, there's no, there's nothing complex here. This stock is trending. The big blue arrow is pointing higher. You've got Landry Light and it's pullback to the moving average. We're seeking to capture a swing trade out. And if that works, we're going to stick with it for as long as possible with a trailing stop. So hopefully that'll be another one of those great setups that was pretty darn simple. Now, another thing I wish somebody would have told me is to seek excellence and ex excellence and seek and accept nothing else in your fantasy football players, MMA fighters, employees, and stocks in other markets, of course. A few months back, a friend of mine was visiting and his son lives here and friend lives in Georgia. And we, when we get together, usually he visits his son too and his son happened to show up and uh, we hung out a little bit or whatever. And he was he was talking about this stock that he was going to buy because it was cheap. And I, I asked him, I said, do you play fantasy football? And uh, he's like, no. But I said, well, what do you do? And he says, um, he says, well, I, I bet on MMA fighters. So the fantasy football example I use is that if you if you and I don't play fantasy football, but if I did, this is what I would do. The fantasy football example I used was you're not going to pick the crappiest players and and hope they somehow magically become better. No, you're going to fight for the best players. And I've been to one or two of these draft things, and, and I'm not into sports barely at all. I, I watch Saints every now and then, especially if I can get it, if I can actually go. But other than that, I'm really not into sports, and I thought I might try this fantasy football thing once. And then when I saw everybody with their laptops and just going crazy and all this other stuff, it's just eh, it's not for me. And, and my the other thing would happen too is the way I'm so obsessive about things that would completely consume me. But but before I digress too far, the bottom line is, if I were to play fantasy football, I would pick the best players out there. If I was putting together a team of employees for a project, I wouldn't pick the crappiest employees I could find. I would pick the best employees I could find. So getting back to the example, I'm like, well, what do you do? And he says, well, I bet on MMA fighters. So I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you bet on the weakest, lamest fighters? And he looked at me like I pooed my pants. And I'm like, he's like, no, no, I bet on the, on the guy that I think is going to win, the stronger guy, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, that's exactly what you should do with your stocks. A few years ago, it was probably 10 years ago now, one of my clients emailed me and said that he used to treat his 
children, his stocks like his children, you know, you coddle them and, and you, you give them a second and third and fifth and 100 and a thousand chance, you know, anything short of mass murder, <laughs> you uh, serial murder, whatever, you just keep giving them more and more chances. And he said, he used to be like that, but he says now he's become more of a, of a tyrant where if the stock is not performing and it hits his stop or whatever, he's like, he kicks them out. And like I often say, I saved a good day, sir. Like uh, Paul Giamatti from John Adams. I haven't watched that. I haven't seen it. It's starting to sound like old people <laughs> looking at TV. And we'll look at some TV. But anyway, uh, I said good day, sir, when you kick them out of the portfolio. So all, all of this can be fleshed out a little bit further and become a tyrant and be a tyrant at, on my website. And basically, the gist of the article is you want to kick stocks out of your portfolio that aren't doing well, and you want to stick with the winners. And a lot of people do just the opposite. And you also want to pick the best going in. Obviously, you pick the best and leave the rest. And then the other thing is if you had, this is part of the article too, if you had three employees busting their ass and one employee sitting on his ass, which one would you fire? Well, you fire one that's doing well because he's due to stop working soon, right? No, you get rid of the one that's sitting on his buttocks. So obviously, pick the best, leave the rest. Holding and hoping hurts your performance and you, if you, your stocks or crypto or whatever you're trading has exceeded your risk loss parameters, if it's no longer trending because it's, it hit the level that you would say that the pattern has failed, then you have to get out. And I think it was, it was in one of my books, it might've been layman's or even before that, but many, many, many years ago, 20 something years ago, I remember walking to a gym, don't laugh. <laughs> you know, back then I had missing an annual workout in years. And I actually do go every day, believe it or not. And that's a whole nother story there. But on one of those rare occasions when I was walking in the gym, you know, the girl behind the counter I'd become friendly with, and she's like, uh, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, geez, you can read me that easy. And I, I don't really have a good poker face. And I said, oh, I'm in a bunch of bad stocks. And she's like, well, sell them and buy some good ones. And I'm like, ah, you know, what does she know? I have an MBA. <laughs> Turns out she was right. Anyway, any questions on all that? Let's shift gear. I want to talk a little bit about crypto. One thing that I, I failed to mention, I went off on a tangent. Imagine that, right? <laughs> but I did make another video on this. If you go look at the quick clips on my YouTube channel, you can find these. My YouTube channel is at Dave Landry. And the point I was making is that Bitcoin sold off fairly hard on the news of the spot ETF. Everybody and their brother thought it was going to be the greatest thing to slice bread when that spot ETF came out okay but the market imploded and then all the naysayers came out of the woodwork and saying this is it this will be the all-time top top of bitcoin blah 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 it's going to zero it's nothing it's made from nothing you know unlike your unlike your fiat currencies that are uh that are backed like nothing bitcoin is also backed by nothing and one could argue that it's backed by the cost of electricity and how much electricity it takes to make a bitcoin Anyway, the when you have a news event, and this comes from Larry Connors. I used to work with Larry many, many years ago, back in 90, 
four, I think. But uh, one thing that he talked about was a big picture news reversal, like news, news will come out on the market and the market reacts. And then you look to go the opposite way after that high of that news day gets taken out. An example, again, I don't want to go too far in this because I did do other videos, but I think it was probably, I think I'll lose track of time, but I think it's probably 15 years ago I was speaking in Dallas. And it's it's right around the time Steve Jobs was not doing too well. It, it was kind of a fait complete. It, it, he wasn't going to make it, right? None of us are going to make it, but it was a little closer for him. And somebody raised their hand and said, um, you know, what? What do you do about Apple? Uh, what are you going to do with Apple? Because Mr. Jobs doesn't look too good for him. I said, well, you you wait until he passes, you know, not to be morbid, but wait until he passes, see where the stock is on the day he passes, see how it reacts. And then when that high gets taken out, you buy Apple, if that's how you want to trade or what you want to do. I don't trade these directly. This is just another arrow for your quiver or tool for your toolbox, however you want to look at it. But it, it does help you to build a full, bullish case. Now, Bitcoin, I think, was over 65,000. We'll take a look at the live chart in a minute. But when I put this chart together, it was just barely over 50, and it was a big picture news reversal. So again, I don't trade these directly, but if you're building a case for a market, this would be one more little thing you can you could use there because everybody in that brother was poo-pooing Bitcoin. All right, let me just shift gears and let's get to crypto. We'll pull up the live charts. Okay. As I often say, sometimes in crypto, and let me show you a little tool here that's like really cool. I'm such a nerd. But sometimes in crypto, you could just buy the strongest pairs that are going up. Oh, by the way, if you want to, if there's any stocks you want me to take a look at, start asking now if you don't mind. Yes, I remember Don. Don was, that's the, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. I'm just catching up to the questions. Yeah, that's one of the guys I was thinking about. Um, Ford was a was a crappy stock back then. I haven't looked at it lately. I know it improved for a while. <laughs> you guys were joking that maybe Don's right, but Don used to come to these webinars and he always asked about Ford. One day I'm like, screw it. And I kicked him out because <laughs> I was sick of it. But he would always ask about Ford and Ford was just uh, the, had nothing to do with my methodology. Anyway, this is CryptoBubbles.net. I don't know who created the site or whatever, but it's pretty cool. And I keep this on for SGs and one of my monitors all day. And I just kind of look over here and I'm like, okay, am I in any of these or should I be in any of these? And it's pretty cool because it's like I did, I'd forgotten that. Uh, I didn't realize that Sheeb had woken up again. I was like, oh, look at Sheeb. It's waking up again. So that's kind of cool. And I don't have a lot of these. Um, I'm not long. Let me see if I'm long any of these. But sometimes you can just buy the strongest ones. Yeah, I'm long SUI. That's one. And that's when hit the IPT. And I didn't have a hard stop in here. I probably should have. This is a little extreme for, for a drawdown. But so far, so good on that one. ENS, not so hot. Hit the IPT. It's come back in. Technically, I should exit this. 
right here at the entry. It's another one where I didn't have a hard stop in there. And all the ones with the with the orange, I now have hard stops in place. And I was asked, getting asked a lot about stops. And if you're playing the relative strength game and you're just buying the ones that are making new highs, then as long as a lot of other ones are making new highs, if it comes back in, even if you're only down a small amount and something else is really moving, then jump on. So if you're in that momentum type of market, then it's okay to get out without using a super wide stop. There's Ethereum. Ethereum has been doing really well as of late, as you can see. Bitcoin, of course, is doing fantastic. It did hit 65,000 a couple of days ago. I know I've said it a thousand times, but it was it's there were these a few people, one in particular I'm thinking of. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but he poo-pooed Bitcoin forever. And I remember Bitcoin being four thousand dollars and he poo-pooed it. And then the market sold off one day from like eighteen thousand down to fourteen or something. And he's like, aha, I told you. And I'm like, is it up about five hundred percent since you first told me? Well, now it's up, you know, a lot more than that. I can't do that math on the fly. What's that? Uh, Three thousand percent. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's going to end badly one day. Maybe I don't know. All assets will lose half of their value at some point in your lifetime, and I've seen Bitcoin lose half its value fairly often. I've seen stocks lose half the value fairly often too. Ethereum was really outperforming Bitcoin, and then now Bitcoin is beginning to take off. I, I, I don't want to confuse the issue with any kind of facts or anything, but I really think the spot ETF thing is, is making Bitcoin more mainstream. There's only 21 million possible, okay? And as I wrote in an article about Bitcoin many years ago, that means, and I forget where I picked this info from, I, I'm sure I quoted it in the article, but that means that everybody in Florida can have one if they wanted it, right? Or every other person in California. So when you look at the limited supply and potential demand, it could be a million bucks, okay? But I'm not, I'm going to follow the trend is what I'm going to do, right? And I'm long, by the way. But when it starts selling off, I'll just have to get out the way. It's just, it is what it is. Trading is trading, right? Okay, let's, any uh, crypto you want to look at? Let me just, let's just do a little quick um, strength scan. So sometimes you can buy these things that are just going straight up. I don't know why I missed this one. I was kicking myself into buttocks, but when they're, they're new like this, especially, it's kind of like a, an IPO in stocks. Sometimes you just buy them as they're, as they're hitting new highs. But I missed that one, so that's a bit of a bummer. I am long this FET. Let's see what that one's doing. Okay, that's got a long tail, so that's probably not a good one. Oh, look at this. I didn't know this, okay? I swear. <laughs> so it's been a while since I hit profit targets here, but you got to keep chipping away at it. So look here. So I got in here, and this is my IPT here. So I have a limit order in to take off half of those shares. So I'm now free rolling on that. So my stop needs to be right here at break even, okay? So that's kind of cool. That's kind of fun. That was unplanned, but believe me, I haven't been doing setting the world on fire. My Bitcoin has been carrying my shitcoins. Usually it's just the opposite. 
But you can see, you can just come in here and and like this would be a good one to buy, like right now. Okay, look at that. It's 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 pushing towards these brand new highs. Now keep in mind, this is different when I do what I do in stocks because this market is can be at times and it changes quickly. All right, but it's kind of a it could be a runaway momentum type of market. And I think this SOL would be a good would be a good buy right now. In fact, I'll buy some. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. All right, I'll check questions and then get some. Uh, let me buy some SOL just to show you something, and then we'll follow up on it next week. I've got to be careful because I'm always in a good mood when I'm doing these shows, unless Don's in here. <laughs> All right, let me just put. Uh, let me take care of this, and then we'll. Um, SOL. Hopefully, I'm not SOL. SOL. All right. So watch. I'll tell. I'll give you my fill here. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna do. All right. Let's see. So my fill is going to be. I got it right here. All right, I got filled at 132.50. Okay, so I'm going to bump this here to 132.50. Okay, there, thereabouts, right around there. Now, my IPT, just for, and eventually, it may be something like Solana. I might have to focus more on the volatility of it. But right now, with the, with the shit coins especially, I'm just using a 20% profit target. So if we multiply, 1.2 times 13250, 13.250 equals 159. So I'm gonna put in a limit order to sell. I'm gonna sell half at, at 159. Now that might be a little ambitious, but let me just get it in there so it's in there. And again, I'm gonna sell half at that level bam i got it in there okay so what i'm gonna do here is come back here and i'm gonna put a line at 159 and that's going to be my ipt and we'll see where it is at the end of the webinar all right i'm gonna jump over to stocks and just give me a couple of minutes here and then we'll get to your stock questions Okay, S&P 500 didn't set the world on fire today, but hey, that's a half a percent. It was all over the place, but it managed to close at all-time highs, and it looks like everybody was fighting it out earlier in the day, and at the end of the day, the towel got thrown in, and the market began to take off a little. NASDAQ closed right at all-time highs, just a smidge above all-time highs on a closing basis. Very important to pay attention to new closing highs. It's kind of a stealthy type of thing. When the market's at all-time highs, everybody really wakes up and pays attention, but you can kind of get a head start on that by looking for markets that are closing at new closing highs. And that's why that salon I just looked at, I thought was gonna be okay. Thought it was gonna work out. Um, let's take a look at the Rusty. 
Rusty's just a pain in the buttocks. It did manage to close up over half percent today, but look at where it was before it came back in. So it's stalling at the short-term wide and loose range, which is right on top of this longer-term wide and loose range, which is right below this big fat wide and loose range. So Rusty's got its work cut out for it. But in general, it's doing well, as of late at least. Uh, biotech got whacked pretty hard today. I don't know if this is the best index to look at for biotech. Here's another one here. You can see it got whacked here. This one's been much, much stronger, but uh, biotech was was really whacked today. I did a little play in LabD. I'm trying not to do too much day trading, but I do get called in a little bit. Now, this is not trend following moron stuff, but intraday it was. It just looked like it was going to pop, and it was popping. Like, take a look at the intraday chart. Take a look at the 30-minute chart. You can see kind of a gap down and then took off and then just, for the most part, made higher highs and higher lows all day long. Let's take a look at some other areas. Take a look at manufacturing, close at all-time high. So that's certainly a good thing. The defense stocks broke out yesterday to all-time high. So that's a good thing, obviously. Insurance, not too exciting of an area, but just off of all-time highs. This goes on and on. Manufacturing, right at all-time highs. Take a look at the home builders. Bam, winning all-time highs. Nail, look at that. Nail broke out to all-time highs today. Don't hold these leverage ETFs overnight, by the way, because the slippage will kill you, or for lack of a better word, but especially like the short ETFs. They all The short ETFs will eventually go to zero. They'll just split you to death every time it gets close. <laughs> Semiconductors close at all-time highs. Here's something that's really cool. I saw my clients earlier that I'm excited about. I know I'm a nerd, but I'm excited to see like AMD. Look at that, big fat AMD trying to catch up with NVIDIA. And one thing I like is when the semiconductors confirm what's going on in the overall market. In other words, if they're going up and the market's going up, that's a good thing. And a lot of people watch the transports. Well, the transports are at all-time highs or thereabouts. So that's good too. That's the old Dow theory type of thing. But one could argue that the semiconductors is like your information superhighway, your 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 information is being transmitted. It's kind of interesting though, and, and not to to go back to the Dow theory, or whatever, but Dow theory talks a lot about the transports. And people were saying, well, with semiconductors, you know, that's going to eliminate a lot of the um the the physical type of movement of goods and all, whatever, because there'll be like the digital stuff and all this. But a friend of mine works at a pulp plant. Um, he's the guy from Georgia and, uh, he's, uh, I don't know what his, he's a safety guy, but you know, he's a little higher up in the company. He doesn't actually, you know, make the boxes, but I'm like, uh, you know, why do you need paper in this day and age? He goes, you know, that little boxes with a little smile on the front porch. You got, you got some of those. I noticed something way in. He had a couple of those. He's like, we make those boxes. So it's like, oh, okay. So. It's like, and now you've gotten everything delivered. So now you're looking at trucking. Is trucking's a big deal now and also it's not going away. Anyway, market looks pretty good. I think we've gone through most of the sectors. Financials looking pretty good, just off of all time highs that were there earlier today. Health services pulling back could set up soon, looking good. Let's take a look at, you know what we should do? Just, just to piss Don off, let's take a look at Ford. <laughs> 
yeah, this is the crappy stock. See all this overhead supply? It's just wide and loose in all over the place. Avoid that like the plague. We should talk about it every show. <laughs> yeah, I like this ARES. Uh, it's trending. The only thing I don't like about it, uh, JJ, is that the the HV is a little bit on the low side, but it's it trades fairly cleanly. So I, I think this is a that's an okay looking stock. It's not bad. You can certainly do a lot worse. Um, ideally, and now that we've got a bull market underway with it at all time highs, ideally you want to try to find some stocks that are are not quite as uh, developed in their trend if possible. And I know I'm recommending some that look like this and, and that, that's okay. But ideally you wanna to try to catch stocks a little bit earlier until they're, before they're like way up here at such, um, at such high levels, especially if it's something like a really thick stock. You know, I'd, NVIDIA so far is still trending, uh, but you'd be better off if you could find the next NVIDIA as opposed to NVIDIA itself for instance. All right, any more questions? Any more stocks? Well, while we're in impasse, I wanna thank everybody for attending tonight. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules to be here. Let me pop over to YouTube real quick to make sure nothing's happening there. Oh, uh, what did my um, Alana doing? Looks like I'm right, in my, where am I? One, where did I get it? 132.50. 132. Yeah, it's tough a smidge. Not enough to get excited about. All right, let me check my YouTube feed. Okay, no questions there. All right, going once, going twice. Again, thank you everybody for attending. I appreciate you taking take time on the busy schedule. Easy for me to say. <laughs> Anything unanswered, you can shoot me an email at davidavelander.com. Leave a comment if you're on YouTube, and I'll be happy to answer it or agree or disagree with you. To those who aren't clients, I'll see you, I guess, next week. So everybody have a great weekend. To clients, I'll see you tomorrow and Facebook. Everybody have a great night and may the trend be with you. Thank you so much. You're welcome.